Well, our, our service is a little different this morning. Uh, we are going to worship. We didn't uh, just cut off worship, but uh, the application of this message this morning uh, will be uh, our, our song service, our worship to the Lord, because I want to talk about uh, worship this morning. God is worthy of our worship. I want to talk about the one thing that um, we do that aligns with heaven right now, and that is worship. And as I look at this uh, word worship, as we talk about worship, I want to I want to ask a provocative question. The question is this: What style of worship? Does God like? What style of worship does God like? Now, now there's lots of different styles. Uh, if you've uh, been to various worship services, uh, you've experienced some of those styles. Uh, about three weeks ago, I I went to uh, Los Angeles and I checked out uh, three different churches and what they were doing. And I tell you. I experienced some loud worship, I experienced some light shows, I experienced some fog machines. Uh, that is far outside my com- comfort zone. But uh, there's all kinds of uh, worship. There's, there's country uh, worship, there is a hip-hop uh, worship, there's a classical worship, there's quiet Worship. No instrument worship. There's worship with pianos and, and organs and guitars and drums and, and all different types of musical instruments. Here at Emmanuel, we provide two different styles of worship. If you're new at our church, I was talking to a lady just last, last week after the service. Uh, she was, um, first time to our service, and uh, I mentioned to her that uh, there was a traditions venue that takes place at the same time this service is going on. We have a camera there in the back, and those in our multi-purpose room are watching this uh, message right now, but in terms of uh, their worship, their worship is traditional, and uh, there's a segment of our church where this style of worship is very important to those folks. And then, of course, we have our worship here. But the most, the important thing that Jesus said about worship was in John chapter 4, verse 24. There was going to be a time when we would worship God in both spirit and in truth. Spirit with our emotions, uh, with our heart, with enthusiasm, but also... Um, Accurately, truthfully, both are important. And so, what style? You know, given all these different styles, what style does God prefer? You know, that's an interesting question. And, you know, if, if you have any kind of church background, uh, I bet that your early years of those experiences have shaped your preference when it comes to worship. 
I remember growing up at Ashland Park Baptist Church. I worshipped uh, with my grandparents there in Fresno with them and, and my family. And uh, I remember sitting next to my mamma. That's what I call my grandmother, my mamma. And uh, she, during the winter months, she would wear a mink stole. And I remember sitting next to her, singing out of that Baptist hymnal, listening to her soprano voice uh, sing the great hymns of the faith. And that that uh, that shaped my my style of, of worship at one time. You know, when you go back to the Reformation and uh, learn about what uh, Martin Luther and Charles uh, Wesley did, they, they, they helped influence worship. Uh, worship after the Reformation was no longer just songs sounding like a Gregarian chant. Uh, Martin Luther was uh, was interested in people singing, expressing their hearts to, to the Lord. And so he arranged music that was easy to sing along to and, um, and was, uh, had, uh, had melody to it. The same with Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley would t- take uh, popular folk songs of that day and... Uh, and write music similar to those folk songs, and people would sing them in worship. And uh, and so, and you know, worship has changed uh, so much today. You know, I think of growing up as a teenager in Fresno. I I went to uh, Trinity Southern Baptist Church as um, as a junior high and high school student, and. And you could go to any Southern Baptist church in Fresno, and they were all built the same. But not only were they built the same, but their worship services were identical. They may have been singing different songs, but they were all singing out of the Baptist hymnal. But in the 70s, the style of worship began to change. I think that was really um, influenced by... uh, uh, the Jesus Movement, and Calvary Chapels in particular. And I remember taking youth, youth groups to camp. And at youth groups, we would have uh, these various worship leaders that would sing worship songs, camp songs, that teenagers thoroughly enjoyed. And we would take these teenagers back to the local church and they would never be given the opportunity to sing those songs at church that they did at uh, at camp, and uh, and there was this huge disconnect. And then after a while, uh, churches caught on to the idea, and they began to uh, do some of the the praise songs that uh, Calvary Chapel Maranatha introduced. They did those on on Sunday nights, but it didn't interfere with the worship on Sunday morning. And then after a period of time, the 80s and 90s, those uh, praise songs on Sunday nights were now being introduced to Sunday morning. And my, did the worship wars begin. Now you were interfering with folks' Sunday morning worship tradition and preference. 
again. What does God prefer? What style? You know, if you go back and look at Luke chapter 19, when, when Jesus was entering Jerusalem, it was the, the last week of his life before he would be crucified on the cross. You remember the story. story. Jesus was coming down into that Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. And they were, they were praising Hosanna. They were welcoming Jesus. Their worship, their praise of him was loud. And the worship leaders or the, or the religious people of those times, the high church folks saw this and told Jesus, told Jesus, Jesus, tell them to be quiet. And Jesus says, no, they can't. If they stop praising me, the Bible, Jesus says, the rocks are going to cry out as to who I am. In essence, what Jesus was saying is, I like this. I'm receiving this. This is good. When it comes to worship and how we are to worship the Lord, it is not a mystery as to what God likes. The largest book in the Bible is the book of Psalms. That is a book on worship. And I want to submit to you, church, that our worship doesn't look like the worship in the Bible. It doesn't look like what happens in stadiums all over this country on weekends. If you watched any football game, college football game yesterday, you saw how excited people got about their team. Today, you're going to go home, you're going to turn on the TV, and you're going to watch your favorite NFL team. And you're going to see people get excited. You're going to get excited. Well, you might get excited about your NFL team, you know. Uh, I'm not anticipating much as a 49ers fan this year, okay. But but, uh, but you might get excited about what your team does today. You know, when we when we see people get excited about their 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 team, and they hoop and they holler and they raise their hands and they're celebrating, they're doing high fives, they're doing push ups for the number of points their team scores. You know what? We call those people fans. But if we bring that same enthusiasm and spirit to the church service on Sunday morning, we don't call them fans, we call them fanatics. I want to submit to you this morning, church, that there is a particular style that God likes. And I'm going to share some things with you this morning that are going to uh, encourage you to push you out of your comfort zone like it's pushing me out of, out of my comfort zone this morning. I want to look at seven uh, Hebrew words that it are related to our English word praise. You know, when we see the word praise uh, in, in the Psalms, um, <clears throat> the English word for praise 
it doesn't do it justice. Because there, there is a Hebrew word that's interpreted by our interpreters as praise that has a, a more colorful, uh, 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 a, a very descriptive language. And I want to look at seven of those Hebrew words this morning for our word, where we get our word praise. Okay, the first one is this, halal, H-A-L-A-L. And with all these Hebrew words that I mentioned, and their definition, it comes right out of the Hebrew lexicon. Okay, so the first word, halal, it means... To rave, boast, celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. Okay, just think about that definition for a moment. Look at those words, rave, boast, celebrate. We think to behave that way would be very irreverent in a worship service, wouldn't we? Psalm 35, 18 says, I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng, I will praise, halal you. That's what, that's what uh, Jesus was doing when he was descending from the Mount of Olives into the city of Jerusalem. The people of God were halaling him. They were making much of him. They were celebrating. They were clamorously making fools of themselves because Jesus was in their midst. And why not? Why not? We, we see it happen every weekend with our sports teams. People make fools of themselves. But when it comes to church, shh, quiet, we're worshiping, be still. That's not what we see in this passage of scripture here. And now I'm sympathetic to those of you that, man, this is not your cup of tea. It's, it's not my cup of tea. I, I'm pushing the envelope when it comes to me right now, okay? Uh, this was not the atmosphere that I grew up in when I worshipped my grandparents, when I grew up uh, as a teenager in Trinity Southern Baptist. But God wants us to express ourselves to Him. I love to clap. But I have no rhythm whatsoever. And if some of you have rhythm and know how to clap, I want to encourage you to clap if a song is is great to clap to. Because I'll follow you. But if I have to set the example, if I have to start it, we're all in big trouble. Okay? Because I have no rhythm whatsoever. But we need to clap. We need to celebrate. I was so thankful Heath was here last week. Heath is a music major. Heath has rhythm for a white boy. Okay? And I could follow him clapping. But uh, we need to do that. You know, 
One of the reasons why I'm Southern Baptist is because I don't know how to dance. You know, again, I have no, if you tried to see me dance, it would be a sin. Okay, and I just don't want to do that. My my kids are getting married this next summer. We're going to have two weddings, one in June and one in July. Guess what? There's going to be dancing at both of their weddings, and I'm scared to death because I have no rhythm. I'm going to make a fool of myself. I I remember, I remember a pastor in the L.A. area. I'm trying to think of his name. And, uh, but he talked about being in the worship center one, one day. And all the lights were off and, um, and, uh, he was just praying, meditating. And God told this pastor, dance before me. Dance before you? Dance before me. And he began, he didn't know, he, he's probably worse than I am. But, in that alone moment, he danced before the Lord. It was an act of humility, he said, because he felt very humiliated doing this, but it was also an intimate act of worship. And as he was in the middle of dancing before the Lord, <laughs> someone walked in on him and watched, <laughs> saw him dancing before the Lord. And uh, that, w- that was an embarrassing moment. But uh, God wants us to allow him to rave, to boast, to celebrate, to clamorously make fools of, him, of, of ourselves. Before his presence. Imagine a football team, the home football team, scoring a touchdown and there be absolute silence. It doesn't make sense, does it? Church, we have, we have everything to celebrate in the person of Jesus Christ. We need to get excited about that. Jesus loves this language. And I know it's out of your comfort zone, but I'm encouraging you, I'm encouraging us to take a step of faith. To risk, to risk um, that uncomfortable feeling and making much of Jesus. So that's the first Hebrew word, halal. The second is yada. Yada. And yada means worship with extended hand. Worship with extended hand. Look at Psalm 138, verse 1. I will praise yada. I will worship you with extended hand, Lord, with all my heart. What is the purpose of this in worship? The purpose is just like it would be at a football game. What happens when your your team scores a touchdown? What do you do? You raise your hands, don't you? You're excited. TD. Well, that's what it means to raise our hands in worship. 
He, we have the victory in Jesus Christ. For, there's no reason why we should be ashamed of raising our hands to the Lord. Jesus has overcome sin and death. Jesus has set us free from the bondage of sin. Jesus has overcome the grave. That is worth shouting about, church. Far more so than a touchdown of our favorite team. Yada. Worship with extended hand. God likes that. The third word for praise is the word Barak. And yes, that's the name of our president, okay? But it's not referring to him. Barak means this, to bless by kneeling or bowing. Okay, and this this is a, a posture. This is a form of worship where it is good to come before the Lord's presence with humility and in silence and in reverence. If you read Exodus chapter 19, uh, you'll read about uh, God on the mountaintop and God telling Moses to uh, prepare, uh, concentrate themselves because uh, God was going to do something amazing with them. And uh, there you see uh, the presence of God on that mountaintop through thunder and lightning and smoke and uh, the, the trumpets, the people of God are playing the trumpets and it's getting louder and louder and louder. But people are coming in reverence. They're bowing and kneeling. It's Barak. Psalm 103, 1 says, Praise Barak, the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. That's much different from the first two Hebrew words. The fourth Hebrew word for praise is Zamar. And Zamar means to pluck the strings of an in- instrument with joyful expression. Worship team, are you listening to this? You know, we need to pluck those bad boys. We need to play them hard. We need to be exuberant. We need to be excited in our worship as we're leading out. Have you ever watched Emily play the piano during the worship time? Boy, she loves to play those keys. She pounds those keys. But uh, she's expressed, God's given her this gift. And she and she plays it loud and she plays it well. Have you ever watched um, Shaughnessy on the drums? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about the joy of the Lord. Boy, she's just expressing herself by playing those drums. Zamar. Pluck the strings of an instrument with joyful expression. Psalm 92.1 says, It is good to praise Zamar. The Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. The fifth Hebrew word is Shabbat. Okay, now you got to get that back there. Maybe if you got a kernel kernel of corn stuck in the back of your throat, you know that's how that's what Shabbat sounds like. All right, 
Shabak means this, to shout, to address in loud tones. Psalm 63, 3 and 4 says, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise Shabbat you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will express my love and praise to you with loud tones. This is what God likes. Look at Psalm 150, verses 3 through 5. Praise, and this is halal. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and the pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Sounds like a worship band to me. But uh, yes, we are to praise Him uh, rave, celebrate, can be clamorously foolish. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying to yourself, Pastor, I don't like loud music. Well, when you get to heaven, you're going to have to get some earplugs. <laughs> because worship is going to be loud. You know, there's a passage in Revelation that talks about uh, that the worship of heaven is going to be louder than the loudest waterfall on earth. Have you ever had the opportunity to go to Niagara Falls? Who's gone to been to Niagara Falls and taken the boat up to where the, the waterfall is? Susan and I were able to do this about three years ago. And uh, we got on that boat and took us out there probably, oh, I don't know, 200 yards from the, the, from the falls. And there was this, um, <clears throat> there was this um, uh, person talking on the, the, the speaker, giving us a history of things. And then the music began to play. And, uh, and then the bo- they turned the boat. And... Uh, most of the people are, were on one side of the boat, and they just got our attention. And as the boat was turning, they said, Now, behold, Niagara Falls. <laughs> and there it was. And you, Susan was right next to my side, and we couldn't even talk to each other. The, the power of those falls was that loud. Folks, here we see in this passage of Scripture that... We are to give Shabbat to the Lord. To address in loud tones. God prefers that style of worship. The sixth Hebrew word is Toda. Toda. And this is to lift hands in adoration. Now we've already looked at yada. Yada is lifting hands in victory. But toda is lifting hands in adoration. And there's a difference. Difference being this. When we lift our hands, we're telling God, 
I surrender all my life, all all of me belongs to you. It's all about you. I surrender. We're lifting our hands in praise and adoration. Psalm 50 verse 23 says, Whoever offers Toda glorifies me. I had to... I had to really get out of my comfort zone to begin to lift my hands in a Southern Baptist church. (laughs) There was a day and age that uh, only the charismatics were known for lifting their hands in worship. But as I, as I went to call off to college and I saw my peer group expressing themselves in worship, I had a desire to lift my hands in adoration to him as well. But, you know, going back home and doing that um, in church, I was very conscientious of what I was doing and what others were thinking of around me. And I had to swallow my pride. And get out of my comfort zone. Get out of what I was, the preferences I grew up with. And I'll really allow myself to express my heart to the Lord. Folks, I want to encourage you to do that. Don't be thinking about anybody else around you. It's just you and your Lord. And as we come together and worship, can we toda him? Can you toda him? And just thank him and praise him and give yourself to him in a heart of worship? God likes that. And then there's a seventh Hebrew word. And this is a funny one. Tehillah. Tehillah. And what does Tehillah sound like? How did you know that? (laughs) Tehillah. Now this makes it even more funny. Okay, look at Psalm 31, verse 34, verse 1. Well, it sounds like, but, you know, it sounds like Tehillah, but it has... It has the same effect as tequila, okay? Because what does it mean? Exuberant singing. And look at Psalm 34, 1. I will extol the Lord at all times. His, his te- tequila will always be on my lips. <laughs> tequila. Exuberant singing. Do you sing exuberantly to the Lord? Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, just like I can't dance, you're saying, Pastor, I can't sing. And I say, I know you can't sing. That's why we play the music as loud as we do, okay? Because we can hear you. But you know what? It doesn't matter. God wants us to exuberantly sing to him. 
He wants us to make a joyful no- noise. He doesn't want us to make, it's not a noise that we have to, uh, to, to sing on tune. No, it just needs to be joyful. Not only did I grow up with my, my grandmother in worship and listening to her beautiful soprano voice, I also grew up with my dad. And uh, my dad came from a Catholic background. I remember when, when I, he was about six, when I was about six years old, I remember him walking the aisle and giving his life to Jesus. Now, I didn't know what that meant as a t- at the time as a six-year-old, but I remember everybody crying because they had been praying for my dad. But I do remember my dad after that salvation experience. When it came to singing in the church, my dad sang exuberantly. My dad sang really loud. And my dad sang really off pitch. (laughs) I don't know if he knew it or not, but he didn't care. But he was making tehillah (laughs) to the Lord. God likes that kind of worship. I like tequilah on people's lips, on my children's lips. Look at Psalm 108. I don't know if it's in your outline or not, but uh, Psalm 108 verses 1 and 3 says, Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise, Zamar. Even with my glory, I will praise. Yada thee. O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises to Hela unto thee among the nations. We are to be exuberant in our worship to him. And so, church, I submit to you this morning that what I've shared with you is 3,000-year-old worship that God prefers. This is what God likes to hear. And there may be some of you in this service, there may be some in the service next door, and you're thinking to yourself, oh my, I don't like that kind of worship. What am I going to do? I want to hear let you hear from a a pastor, a retired pastor. His name is uh, Jean, uh, uh, Ben Merrill. Ben was uh, the pastor at Eastside Christian Church in um, Anaheim. And Gene was speaking, I believe, primarily to senior adults at a Christian concert. And this, this is what he had to say about the new style of worship today. Let's go ahead and play that. Last year, at 89 years of age, he spoke at the North American Christian Convention. And I want you to hear from him right now. Take a look. What about the older people? Where do I start? I don't much like the new music either. That's a good place to start, isn't it? 
In fact, I haven't liked it longer than most of you haven't liked it. I haven't even caught up with Bill Gaither's music. I'm still back with John Peterson, you know. But the point of it is, we need to hang in there and stop complaining. And let me illustrate. Tim Harlow wanted me to tell this story. Congregation I served had a lady in it named Elizabeth Dolan. The event I'm going to tell you about happened when she was either 81 or 82 years of age. Elizabeth Dolan went to one of our Bible colleges for a year or two back in the days when women were rarely found in our colleges. She became what we might call a home missionary. She started Sunday schools all over western Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, a number of places. This lady was a real servant. At that time, the church had a youth choir called the Life Society. The Life Society was on the cutting edge of contemporary music. They were asked to sing all over Southern California. Elizabeth Dolan, whenever possible, would get on the bus and ride with them to their engagements and attend their concerts, and the kids loved having her along. One night in an elders' meeting, Ray said, Does Mrs. Dolan really like that music? There was a long pause, and Howard said, No, Mrs. Dolan loves kids. And that settled the matter. Out of that, out of that came a motto that I tried to live by, another one. It goes like this. I will be willing to put up with things I don't like for the sake of reaching people who are not like me. And you can adopt that same motto to the older people, be patient. Hang in there. You are smart enough to really do something and be productive if you'll only start serving again. And I want to tell you, when you start serving, invariably, you will quit criticizing. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Go ahead. You can clap. It's good to clap. What is worship? Let's turn the lights back on. What is worship? Worship is our response to what we value most. And we value a lot of things, don't we? A lot of things uh, get our attention, keep our attention. And those things are good, but those things can't be higher than our love for God. Our love of God needs to be preeminent. Because He is what we value most. But worship is not only what we value most, but worship is love expressed. It's not worship if you don't love, and it's not love if you don't express it. Now, I know some of you are here and in the other room, and you're thinking, well, can't I just worship God in my heart? 
not according to the Bible, you can't. It's to be expressed. It's, it's to be exuberantly expressed. Think of my, your relationship with your spouse. What, what if I just told Susan, uh, Susan, I just want to love you in my heart, but I'm never going to express my love to you. Is that love? Absolutely not. Worship is love that is expressed. Someone asked Jesus one time, what is the most, what is the greatest commandment? And there were 430 some odd commandments. Jesus said this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's Christianity. That's the Bible. And God wants us to express our love and adoration to Him. We need to be making most of Him. There was another woman who fell at Jesus' feet. And she was overwhelmed with what Jesus had done in her life. And she wanted to express her worship, her love, and her adoration. And uh, Luke chapter 7, uh, she was very expressive. Her worship was very costly. And there was a Pharisee, a, a, a high church religious person who um, who just said, Jesus, I mean, what is she doing? She's making a spectacle of herself. Send her away. Don't you know who this person is? And Jesus uh, told Simon that those who are forgiven much love much. She had been forgiven of much. And she was expressing her love and adoration and thanksgiving to her Lord and Savior. So this morning, church, we're going to apply this message this morning. We're going to express our love back to him this morning. I've asked the worship team to come and lead us in some some time of worship. And I don't want you to think about you. I don't want you to think about others around you. I want you to think about Jesus. And all he has done for you. And you express your heart, your love, back to him this morning in praise. In Hebrew praise. Let's pray. Worship team, thank you, Father, for this uh, opportunity that we have set aside to corporately come together and say thank you for who you are and what you're doing. And and God, all that you've done in our life in giving us victory over sin and death, that is worth celebrating.
That is worth thanking you and praising you and getting caught up in who you are. And so, Father, take our time of worship. May you be glorified as we express our hearts to you this morning. In Jesus' name, would you stand with me, please, as we sing this morning.